This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This is the Colorado Hunting Hub Podcast, where we cover hunting in the West, but mostly hunting in the destination state of Colorado. You'll find information that will help you plan, prepare, and motivate you for your hunt, but also keep you updated on happenings in the Western hunting world. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy. Thanks for checking out Colorado Hunting Hub. This episode, we have a interview with Tony from Colorado Parks and Wildlife covering some bear hunting, and I'd like to... Thank I Hunt Colorado for letting us be a part of their team. Also, got a few new things coming up as far as uh, companies we're working with. So we'll give a little shout out to Onyx. That's not new, but to Onyx used uh, their app once yesterday, once yesterday, and not even hunting. So it's uh, pretty worth it, and you need it. So we'll give uh, one of those memberships away. Links in the show notes. Check that out. Need to see uh, if our coupon code is still working for Hunting Hub at uh, Wilderness Athlete for 25% off coupon code Hunting Hub. Check that out. Uh, got uh, my order in and that pre-workout's pretty nice. And I'm glad to have the uh, Hydrate and Recover and Energy and Focus for TAC this weekend. Got myself signed up for the Kafaru Mountain Mile with 25 pound pack, two miles. Don't know why I did that, but I tried it out this morning and I survived just on my own. So <laughs> it'll be fun. Ain't going to win it, that's for sure, but uh, I'll uh, have fun doing it. Also, make sure you get a hold of me on Instagram, Facebook, or my email, clint.a.whitley at gmail.com. So here's our interview with Tony. Tony, I want to thank you for coming on the podcast and sharing this with us a little bit about bear hunting in Colorado. What I have noticed is we got a crap load of bears <laughs> and there's a, there's some really good opportunities here. I've harvested a couple of bears. I didn't know anything about bear hunting. I had a good time learning that and between myself and getting my dad here from South Dakota to get a bear, we spent a lot of time in the field and we learned so much about bear hunting. So there's, I, I would say there's a pretty, pretty good amount of information to learn about bears. So can you first off introduce yourself and let us know not just who you are, who you work for, but, uh, your main role. Sure. Yeah. Happy to be here. Um, Tony Bonacquista. I'm the district wildlife manager in the Nucla district, um, far southwest part of Colorado. I work for the Colorado Parks and Wildlife. I've been 
working in that role since 2006 and have been stationed in Nukla um, for those years. So um, yeah, glad to be here. Um, bear hunting, it's a it's a great deal, um, you know, and for a, for a long time, I think that, um, you know, bears were kind of looked at as, you know, like a secondary type animal or a secondary type license that you have in your pocket. And, you know, you're maybe primarily out there looking for a deer, looking for an elk. And if you happen to bump into a bear, um, certainly fill your license at that point. But I think for a long time, bears, bears were not a, a not the primary focus for a lot of hunters, but in the past few years, um, it seems like that trend has kind of changed where, where folks are specifically going out trying to target bears. And that's, um, and that's great. Our success is, our bear success has seemed to be increasing over the past few years. And I think a large part of that is because there's more and more people that are kind of getting the bear, the bear hunting bug and, um, making that their primary focus. Yeah. Uh, I, I just, as you're saying that I was thinking about what, what animals and wildlife in the, in Colorado, do I want to stop and just stare at the longest? <laughs> I mean, if I saw a cow elk, I'd look at her and be like, Oh, that's really neat. And I might go back to what I'm doing or go after it or whatever the season is. But if I saw a bear, I usually check that thing out until it is completely wandered off. Just watching them has got me so intrigued watching their behavior, how they don't quit moving. Uh, or you just watching a big bear scratch his butt on a log for the longest time, check out his paws. I mean, it's, they just don't quit moving. <laughs> They're just a, a cool, cool critter. And I, and I've been lucky enough to see a lot of them in the woods. Uh, so I think that's something that, that, uh, it's fun for the wildlife viewer as well, not just the the hunter. Yeah, certainly, the, yeah, you know, and the, a bear, the, a bear is not something you see terribly often, you know, versus a deer, especially a deer, you know. So, um, yeah, seeing a bear, it's a neat deal. It's exciting, you know, and there's a lot of stories about bears. Um, it's it's just exciting to, to to actually see a bear. Yeah. So, can you give us a a rundown of just in the general seasons, when you hunt them. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people from out of state that listen don't realize we don't have a spring bear season and that's a popular time to hunt bears in the U.S. But give us a, a rundown of, of our seasons and maybe what's what's a good way to approach getting a tag, whether that's an add-on or, uh, yeah, just uh, let's start there. Yeah, you bet. So, um, yeah, to, so to start with, we only have a fall bear season in Colorado. So in the early 90s, by um, statewide vote, the people of Colorado decided that the majority of people in Colorado decided that um, we were not going to have a spring bear season any longer. So that did away with the pursuit season and hunting over bait. So we are left with a fall season in Colorado. Um that being said, our season can start um, September 2nd is the earliest that we can run a bear hunt in Colorado. So our September bear season starts September 2nd and runs through the month of September. And that is um, by draw only or application only in the September season. When we get into the October and November um, regular rifle seasons, the, the regular deer and elk rifle seasons, um, there, the bear license are sold over the counter with caps. So, um, for, for a large part of the state, um, if a, if a hunter had a, um, we'll say a deer license for second season, they can show up and pick up a bear license as well for that, that season that they're, they're hunting deer, deer or elk, but all the September hunts, whether it's a, a specific archery, uh, archery bear tag, specific muzzleloader bear tag or a rifle September bear tag. Those are all um, application only and through through limited draw. And there's a decent amount of those that hit the leftover license or list, correct? There is. Uh, and again, depending on, you know, Colorado's broken out into a, a lot of different um, game management units or GMUs. Each GMU is managed a little bit differently, um, but... but 
overall, yes, there's typically some leftover September rifle bearer licenses available. And the reason I keep mentioning the September rifle season is that that has the highest success, highest hunter success by far versus the October and November hunts. Um, for a lot of different reasons, you know, um, overall, if we were to look at all the seasons, you know, success is pretty low with bears. It's less than 10% um, harvest success versus the September season. That's going to be our highest success where depending on the year, depending on the, the unit that you're hunting, you know, it can be 15 to 20% success in, in, in that September season. So if I was going to hunt bears, September is certainly your best option of of harvesting a bear success-wise. And I want to dive into that a little further in just a minute, but I want to think back to my first thoughts about bear hunting. And I know some, some other folks' first concerns with hunting a bear. And I thought, yep, I need to buy a new 44 meg on my side. I need to be carrying bear spray. I, I wander around the woods in the dark with this up to like five or heck we've had 700 pound bears but most of them aren't that big but big big black bears uh and having that that little bit of fear in in the unknown so can you kind of talk about maybe some of their 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 uh care or their uh their qualities their traits their their behavior that sort of thing and do we need to be concerned about them or are they not? Uh, can you talk to the the new hunters in, in that light? Yeah, certainly. Yeah. So, you know, I hear that concern, concern a lot. So Colorado, we, we only have black bears in Colorado. Um, you know, some of the stuff up to the North Wyoming, Montana, um, Idaho, you know, there it's a completely different beast up there when you mix in some grizzly bears as well. Colorado, we don't have grizzly bears. In Colorado, um, so a completely different animal, a black bear versus a grizzly bear. Um, that being said, you know, majority of bears that, you know, whether you're a hunter in the fall, or you're a hiker in the summertime, the majority of the bears are going to see you and take off running from you. Um, that being said, yeah, there's certainly some instances where you might find yourself you don't want to be, of course, um, you know, in between a, a sow and her cubs, mom's going to be pretty pretty protective of her cubs and that's that's not a great place to end up in um you know you might just run into a grouchy bear as well that's got a bad attitude for whatever the reason um as far as bear attacks they're extremely rare um they do occasionally happen but they're usually precipitated by by something else um versus the guy just out you know hunting a bear um, it's very unlikely that he's going to get attacked. You know, your, your typical bear wear stuff is always, is always important to remember on the same token, you're out there looking for a bear. You're looking, you're looking to harvest a bear. So you're trying to, you're, you're almost forcing that encounter. Um, but you certainly have the means to, to take care of that bear. If something was to happen, um, you know, I archery hunt, um, I've archery hunted bears. I don't carry a pistol. Um, I've never had an encounter that made me wish that I had a that had a pistol or a handgun with me while I'm archery hunting. Um, but I, I I certainly run into folks in the fall that that feel more comfortable with a you know carrying a handgun with with their archery equipment or or with the rifle if the rifle you know hunting in September. But but overall the stories that you hear of a, of a, a true bear encounter um, a bear incident is very rare um, with bears. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember the first bear I shot and it, I actually called it in and that you want something intense. <laughs> calling bears is unreal. And Wayne Carlton's like the king of calling bears. <laughs> if he's got a, that man is, and I met him once he's, he's a, he's a funny dude, but he, uh, he used to just call in bears nonstop. And so I called this bear in and he come in ready to kill whatever, was at the end of that call and he as soon as i stopped he stopped and pulled the trigger and he rolled downhill and disappeared and so that was on my first interaction with a bear and realizing i don't know where he is and i'm pretty sure i made a good shot and there he was in the bottom of a little washout 
uh, so it worked out pretty good, but I remember having a, a sidearm pulled with just thinking like, well, this isn't going to do anything. <laughs> just, uh, it, it was total just comfort for myself. And yeah, there's, I, I'm not too concerned, uh, anymore, uh, with that after getting some more interaction, it's just, again, that unknown, I believe of, it's just a, a rarity, something you didn't know anything about. Uh, and, and as you learn about it, you get a little bit more comfortable. Right. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, and in your instance, you know, I've, I've called in bears and it's, man, do you want something exciting? I mean, it's, it's unreal. You know, if you, if you get excited calling a turkey or a coyote or, or bull elk, I mean, calling in a bear is like nothing you've ever done before. So it's, I totally see where you're coming from. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it'll get your blood going, going for sure. You know, that bear's coming in to eat something and you're the, <laughs> you're the food right there. So that's a, a whole different, a whole different deal calling a bear in versus, you know, the, the spot and stock or, or whatever the case may be. Yeah. Can, can you give us a couple of the regulation things, just the spotlight items we need to be careful of with bear hunting? Uh, and one specifically looking at, uh, baiting or not baiting and killing stuff off of a gut pile or just give us some of the things we need to be aware of. Sure. Yeah. So, um, so the way we are right now or the way the law is written right now, we, um, hunters cannot hunt over bait and we've further defined that to mean, you know, if a hunter was to go out and, and, and specifically place some bait, whether that's some apples, some honey, you know, your, your chocolates or whatever, um, that would be illegal to hunt over that. Um, where the question tends to come up, that's a pretty, uh, you know, clear, um, clear violation of, of the intent of the law right there. Where the question or the concerns right. tend to come up are, all right, so I, I'm, I'm walking through the woods and I, fi- I find a dead cow, you know, a beef cow. Can I set up and hunt over that cow? Or, Yes, I, I killed my I killed my elk. I quartered the elk out. Here's the the carcass, the gut pile. Can I now sit over this, um, you know, this gut pile, this carcass, and hunt over that? And the answer is yes, you can do that. Where um, where you would not be okay doing that if you were to have killed your elk, quartered your elk out, packed your quarters back to camp. Um, and let's say, for instance, your elk that you killed was in a, a thick tangle of oak brush right there, and you drug your elk carcass after it had been quartered out. You drug that elk carcass out into an open park so you can actually see it better come in on that carcass. Um, at that point, you know, you've intentionally moved that animal with the purposes of hunting bears over that, and that would not be, that would not be legal to do. Um, if you had killed your elk and quartered it and hunted over the carcass as you left it right there or where it died, you know, or, or reasonably right around it right there as you were working that animal up, that's totally fine. Um, but we don't want that animal being moved into a, a better place where you can see better or um, along those lines. Same with a cattle or, or a cow, you know, a beef cow, if you were to stumble on a beef cow um yeah you could certainly set up and hunt over that that dead animal right there um as long as we're not dragging it off into a better spot where maybe i can see better or along those lines so so yeah so there's some confusion about that yeah you are um hunting over bait but it's not it's not that's not the intent of the law the intent is we don't want people specifically placing items in a, in a spot to increase their um bear so um, that gets into the fair chase and by majority vote of the of the, of the people of Colorado back in the early 90s um, that's that's where we're at right now so um, so that that's always one that it's, it's a little yeah. bit confusing now I mean I guess um, I guess another one you know we have a, a a hunter cannot shoot um, a cub or a sow with cubs. And that's another one that comes up. Most years, uh, some confusion over that. Um, A guy or a hunter um, sees a bear come out on a hillside and, um, you know, they watch this animal come through the oak brush for, um, you know, five minutes. And 
doesn't see any other bears with it and ends up harvesting that animal, gets up, you know, walks over there, gets up to the animal and two cubs come scampering out of the old brush right there. Um, I guess, you know, the, the best way for a, for a hunter to handle that, they would be in violation, right? They harvested a, a sow that had, had cubs on it still. The best way for a hunter to handle that situation would be to call us up. Um, like, hey, here's the deal. You know, I, I watched his bear for five minutes um, up on the hillside. Didn't see another, didn't see any cubs. Of course, you know, if he was to bring that, the hunter was to bring that animal down and check it, it's going to be a lactating female. Clearly, it's going to have cubs on it. Um, and what we looked for on our end, all right, was this, was this reasonable? Did, did this hunter make a reasonable effort to um, determine if, if this is a cub versus um, a sow with cubs. So, um, so what we're looking for is just a hunter to be reasonable in those instances. Yeah, bears are hard to see. You just get glimpses of them here and there as they're working down through the, the hillside or whatever. Um, so we, we just ask that hunters are reasonable with, you know, determining the, you know, you're not going to be able to determine the sex a lot of times, but whether that animal is a cub, whether that animal is, is a sow with cubs, um, and, and just be reasonable with it. And if something does come up and it doesn't feel right, then it's great if, if a hunter calls up and says, hey, here's the deal. Uh, I got a lactating female on the ground, and um, here's what here's what led to that. And that, that, that goes a long way versus just showing up at, at our office or to get that animal checked. Um, and, and there's this, this lactating female right there. So that tends to raise some questions. So, um, so that would yeah. be a, a, another one right there. Um, and I guess probably, what, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. What, what about, uh, I'm out archery elk hunting and I see a bear and suddenly now I'm, now I'm bear hunting and I'm carrying my bow. Am I good to go with switching over to bear hunting and going and harvesting that? Do I need to go back to my truck four wheeler, grab my orange and, I would assume I would for sure need to be doing that if I went back to the four wheeler and grabbed a or truck and grabbed a rifle. Uh, but can you kind of play that out a little bit with me? That's a scenario that, that seems to possibly happen <laughs> sometimes for, for archery hunters. Right. So let's say, um, so we're, we're, uh, you know, we're archery elk hunting. We have an archery bear license in our pocket. Yeah. That hunter would totally be fine you know, um, hunting that bear with his, you know, you already have bow in hand, um, hunting that bear. Um, on the flip side of that, let's say you have a rifle, a September rifle bear tag in your pocket. Um, and you're out archery hunting for elk and you have your bow in hand and you stumble upon a bear. Now, yes, the question is, do I need to run back and get my, um, and get my, my orange so I can you know, hunt this bear with my bow. You know, I have a rifle tag that would be a legal method of take harvesting that bear with archery equipment. Even though I have a rifle tag, that would be um, that would be legal. And and the answer to that is with bears, you can hunt a, a bear without wearing um, you know our daylight fluorescent orange requirements. Um, with a rifle tag, if you're hunting with archery equipment, you would not be required to wear your orange. Cool. That's what I was kind of figuring. And it's usually, it's been the other way around hunting bears and, and, uh, oh, there's an elk. <laughs> We're going to switch that up <laughs> and go chase the elk. Sure. Uh, sure. because yeah, I, I, I've, when I'm deep in archery elk hunting, it's, it's, uh, well, I, I, spend a lot of effort here for the elk and I want to be chasing the elk. So, and, and again, I bet that has some to do with, uh, some of the success rates is people just pick up that tag and, and have it as an opportunity, opportunistic, uh, hunt to just, if they're there, great. If they're not, I'm here elk hunting or something like that. So, yep, exactly. uh, I want to move on to, uh, kind of getting prepared for a bear hunt and, those people who are doing their due diligence and doing some preparation year round, how exactly can you scout for bears? Whether that's, it doesn't matter if that's e-scouting or just getting boots on the ground. What, 
what are you looking for when it's not the bear season in their the in their area and maybe that has to do with some of their bear habits if you can share shed some light on that that'd be helpful sure yeah this question this question comes up a lot and um you know so so understanding bears um you know they they live and die by their by their stomach by their by food um in, in the fall specifically in september so um if you're not hunting a food source if you're hunting the wrong food source you're probably not going to find a bear so um you know your your acorns your berries that's going to be your primary um food source um in the fall specifically september um what has been happening it seems like in the past couple years it happened again this year um we tend we've been tending to get some late freezes in the springtime that either sets the acorns back, freezes the acorns, or freezes the berries. So um, I guess as far as scouting, the best thing to do would be to, to, to head on out to wherever you're going to hunt and, and, and see what food is out there, whether the acorns, you know, made fruit that year, and there's, there's going to be a lot of acorns. And man, if there's a lot of acorns, the berries are going to be all over that stuff. Um, the choke cherries, the service berries, you know, the, the, um, the mountain shrub community, if they're going to have fruit on them that year, bears are going to be all over that. A lot of years, it doesn't seem like everything makes fruit. Um, so yeah, keying it, keying in on some food, um, and that's where the bears are going to be. Um, so yeah, you know, scouting via the via the computer, it's, it's you know Google Earth, whatever. It's a little bit tough with bears just because things are pretty dynamic and changing throughout the summer for you know drought conditions, early freezes, late freezes, um, that sort of thing. But yeah, certainly certainly don't hesitate to call up, call our offices, and we can give you you know you know call in, in August if you're coming out in September, and we can get, certainly give you a rundown of you know what you know, what, what fruit, what acorns, what berries, what made that year. And you can certainly, um, from there kind of do your computer scouting, your Google Earth scouting, find those hillsides of oak brush. They're likely to have acorns, um, find your more kind of riparian areas for some, some choke cherry service berries, um, and, and kind of go that route. But food is, bears are all about food come, come September. So sounds like, uh, there's another, woodsmanship skill that would be beneficial and that's just a little plan of identification and knowing what a service berry is or a choke cherry is even though there's not the berry there because that's not going to be there now <laughs> this time of year or in july uh when it will be in later september so might be another thing to pick up on right uh can uh, can we dive into some of those September? And I want to focus on that September just because that's when you said that's when guys are harvesting the most amount of bears. But give us some some bear habits during that month. Uh, I've definitely found some different trends and things throughout the month in the years hunting them. But give us some bear habits and maybe some some tips to to hunting them in September. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. You know, and again, we keep kind of, kind of going back to this September, the September season, whether it's archery, muzzleloader or our September bear rifle hunt. And boy, if a, if a hunter, if their goal is to kill a bear, that's September is by far their best opportunity success wise, um, to do that. So yeah, I would, I would certainly look into that September hunt. It does take some planning because it's, it's limited draw. There are some leftover licenses available, but, um, overall you know if you put in for a you know in, in april for the limited draw you're you're likely to draw it in most in most units so it does take a little bit of, of planning but september is the time to hunt bears the, the best time to hunt bears um that being said again you know bears live and die by their stomach in september and they're thinking about food they go into a stage called hyperphagia and um they're eating you know up to 20 hours a day so food 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 is what's on their is what's on their mind um again finding the the correct food source is is important it's very obvious where when a bear is around if you were to you know walk through a hillside of oak brush and you know there's 
bear poop all over the place. There's broken branches as they're, as they're bending that oak brush down, getting acorns. Um, it's very clear when there's a bear around. It's also very clear when there's not a, not a bear around. So if, you know, I, I guess ideally, you know, the, the, the best way or, or what I've seen, you know, the guys that have the most success, you know, mornings they're going to be sitting on the, you know, the, on a rim at the edge of a canyon somewhere um, doing a lot of glassing. And then midday, um, a lot of hunters go back to camp. I would suggest that if you want to kill a bear, stay out all day. Those bears are active the majority of the day. Um, stay out all day. And, you know, midday, go for a walk on that hillside that you've been looking at all morning and you're looking for, you know, these broken branches. Um, very clear if a bear is around. And, you know, if you're seeing that, I think if a, if a hunter went back and sat on that same that same rim, that same rock where they could still see that hillside, it might take a day or two before they see that bear pop out of the oak brush. But sooner or later, you're going to see that. On the other hand, you know, if you if you walk through that, that hillside, you know, midday and you're not seeing bear sign, man, there's something wrong with that, with that hill, whether there's no acorns, um, there's no food there, and you're probably not going to see a bear. Um, but looking for bear sign, man, if you can... If you can find that, you're you're going to find a bear sooner or later. And one thing uh, that I always struggle with, I'm in the northwest part of the state, pretty deserty, and uh, my neighbor called me yesterday and said he almost hit a bear just south of Junction, two o'clock in the afternoon. There's no cover around. He's running around across the main highway <laughs> right down to your area down to Montrose and and what is that bear doing out when it's 90 some odd degrees he's got a fur coat on and and especially in September those bears don't care about being out in the middle of the day in the heat and I've hunted them in 80 90 degree weather they don't mind it's not like a deer where it goes and lays down and is there the thing's trying to build his food stores for for the winter so it's it's just always so shocking to see this bear out and i ask myself every time what are you doing out <laughs> don't you need to go lay down in the shade you're black and you're in the sun <laughs> so that just always shocks me right yeah no definitely you know and, and even september it's hot in september still and you know you got to remember that these bears are trying to stock up on as much fat food and fat as they can because they got you know, several months ahead of them where they're just going to be, you know, sleeping for the most part, not moving around. So, so their goal in life in September, you know, August, September, beginning of October, I mean, their goal in life is to get as fat as I can. Um, so I can, you know, make it through the, make it through the winter when I'm in my den. So food, food is everything for a bear in the fall. Um, and that's the, the biggest key is, um, you know, hunting, hunting a food source, but hunting the correct food source where bears are actually using it. I've heard a couple of cool things and I just want to share because it's just so cool. I've done uh, some research on this, but uh, I've heard that their digest digestive system is not very efficient. So that's why they're eating a ton. And then in that September time or late, late time before that, di uh, before hibernation, they're out there pooping like 15 plus times a day so that's how why you're able to find all those those the uh, scat piles and things and then the other cool cool thing uh, uh physiologically with them that i found out is that they have a way of and when they go into hibernation they actually become sort of diabetic like and they burn insulin in a different way and so they're able to switch on and off this way they burn their insulin allowing them to stay pretty much inactive for months. And I just thought that was, man, if humans could figure that out, we'd <laughs> cure diabetes, but just a, a really neat physiology piece to this kind of critter that, that, uh, is running around in the woods. Right. Yeah. And, and just a, just an interesting side note to that, you know, so bears, Bears are not an animal that actually goes into true hibernation. They go into, into what's called a state of torpor, um, you know, where if the weather was to warm up, you know, they would they would come out of their den and move around for a few days. Um, so they're not a true hibernating animal. But one of the one of the really neat things that what I find really, really interesting, you know, they when, when they're in the den in the wintertime in the state of torpor, 
um, they have the, they're yeah physiologically they have these um, muscle contractions that that take place keeping their their muscles from atrophying and um, interestingly enough NASA has has done a fair bit looking at bears and and, and that end of things um, with these these electronic muscle contractions that keep their their muscles in shape basically as they're more or less sleeping um, for their astronauts to use when they're, you know, heading up into space, doing their, doing their thing out in outer space. So um, yeah, so bears are, are a pretty cool animal, you know, the way they've, um, the way they've uh, developed over the years. Interesting. So if, if uh, I'm a second, third season over the counter hunter and I'm coming to Colorado and I drop by an office or an a licensing agent and I pick up my tag and see, Oh, hundred dollar bear tag for a non-resident. And I pick one of those up. What, uh, what, what's different in those later seasons for bear hunting and that can help, uh, hunters be successful. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so definitely. So, um, the wildlife commission a year or two ago, they, lowered the price of a non-resident bear tag to a hundred dollars. Um, and that's made it a lot easier, simpler for, uh, um, non-residents to end up with bear tags. So a lot of instances, money is not the, not the factor anymore that maybe it was years ago when, when bear licenses for non-residents were hundreds and hundreds of dollars. So, um, hundred dollar thing, that was, that was a great change that went through a couple of years ago. Um, but overall, you know, with, when we get into October, November, bears just kind of start acting differently. They're they're not nearly as active as they are in August and September. They start thinking about going to bed for the winter time. Um, and I guess if you were to kind of look at a, at a a bell graph or something like that, you know, September, August, September, they're kind of peaking in their um, in their activity and they're feeding primarily. And then once we start getting you know, the, the, the latter half of September into October, November, that's that bell curve is starting to, to flatten out and they're just not as, not nearly as active. And they got, you know, instead of having food on the mind, they start getting, you know, going to bed on the mind. Um, so um, success rates are lower in October, November and October, November hunts. Um, hunters still harvest bears, um, but success is lower than it, than it would be in September. But hunters certainly harvest bears still. And I guess I would, you know, go out if I was going to be hunting in those seasons, um, the same strategy. I'd do a lot of glassing. I'd be very patient. Um, and I'd still be looking for that, for that food source, you know, cause they're still going to be eating the bears that are around still are going to be eaten. Um, and same strategy as I, as I would use in September, but yeah, be patient and find that, find the food source, but find that correct food source. Sure. And what are, from let's say beginning of September, and I know this regionally is going to be different, but from beginning of September to uh, time they hit torpor, they go into torpor. What what are some of those food sources in order that they're going to be focusing on? So they're gonna they're gonna like their the, the high calorie um, foods are going to be you know the most appealing. But so much of this changes year to year based on. Of course, you know, the, the Colorado and especially the southwest part of Colorado, we've been in a terrible drought for, for several years now. Um, I can think of two years ago, you know, it was a terrible drought and there was a there was no acorns, no service berries, no choke cherries, all, all that mountain shrub community. There was no no food on any of those. So a lot of the bears came down into the low country, into the pinion and juniper, and they were eating juniper berries and pinion nuts. And that's something that and I hadn't seen that before, but it was pretty amazing when you were down in that pinion juniper country that there's bear sign all over, there's bear poop all over, and broken branches. Um, of course, it's a fairly hard, hard place to hunt in September. It's hotter and blazes, and um, you know, hard to see in that in that pinion juniper country. But boy, there there was there was bears all over. So um, bears are pretty amazing. They're gonna find they're gonna find food whether whether it's at the top of the mountain, you know. I mean, the berries and that mid elevation, you know, in the, in the oak brush, eating acorns, or if they're, you know, bailing off the mountain into the low country and, and chasing, you know, juniper berries and, um, and pinion nuts. So they're going to, they're going to find food one way or, or another. And your, your search for the right food might, you know, might start at the, 
at the aspen spruce interface or even above timberline and, and and lead you down into the pinion juniper you know typical winter range and and bears are going to be scattered out you know throughout that wherever the wherever the best food source is going to be yeah that makes sense so we got a a bear down now what advice do you have that makes this thing so much different than an elk or, or some of the highlights that we need to, to know about? Yeah, definitely different than an elk. Um, and if you've never, if you've never dealt with a bear once it's down, it's, um, if you're by yourself, it's, it's a bit challenging. Um, especially if you're, you know, one of your goals is to, is to skin that animal out, you know, and, and take the, take the hide home for, you know, to make a rug or to tan it or whatever they, um, case may be um, it, it's it's challenging by yourself um, you know the average bear size you know that I see get killed is is that 150 you know to 200 pound bear that's a very average bear that I see get killed and you know that might not sound very big compared to a you know a 500 pound elk but boy they're just like big roly polies and um, you know their their joints move differently they're not stiff-legged um, like a deer or an elk is. So they bend differently. Um, everything about them is, is different. So yeah, by yourself, um, I'd certainly have some rope and, and be ready to tie some, tie some arms and legs up, um, with, with a partner or two, that's, that's even better with holding legs, but, um, by yourself, it, it's a challenge. Yeah. Um, so some of our requirements for, for once a bear is down, uh, we still have, even though your license is is an either sex license for biological um, wildlife management reasons, we still require that the hunter leave proof of sex, evidence of sex on that animal. And um, ideally, we want that um, the way the law says we want that evidence, proof of sex left on the carcass it's, itself. So, so on some um, on some portion of the meat, um, that's what the law says. What I would what I would suggest as long as far as that goes, what we typically see when we're checking and or sealing a bear is that proof of sex a lot of times is, is on the hide itself. Um, what what I would suggest, you know, if you were to kill a boar, um, you know, I, I would suggest leaving proof of sex on both the carcass, um, you know, a hindquarter just like you would an elk, a deer or an elk, um, but also leave, um, you know, one of the testicles or something. Uh, one of the one of the nipples on a sow attached to the hide itself as well. So um, have, have try to leave proof of sex on on both the hide and the carcass or or one of the the hind quarters. Um, but but proof of sex is required even though it is a, it is an either sex license and that and that's for management purposes so we can kind of track um, what's getting killed and, and plug that into our um, our management our management plan going forward. The other end of that. Um, Lots of states are are different how they go about the the edible portions requirement. What Colorado requires as far as yes, I got my bear down. What do I have to pack out of the woods at this point? Um, Colorado um, requires that 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 meat be taken out of the field, and it's going to be the exact same as your deer, elk, antelope, um, whatever. Okay, so you're going to be required the four quarters, the back straps, and the and the tenderloins. Those are going to be required to, to pack out on your bear at a minimum. So all the, you know, the neck meat, the rib meat, the flank meat, um, that's that's certainly encouraged to bring that out as well. But as at a minimum, um, a hunter is going to be required to pack out the four corners, loins, and back straps. Right. So now that you're on the meat, uh Trichinosis was not something I was familiar with on my first bear, and I've later gained a little education on it. What what is it? What do we? Why do we need to be concerned with it? Uh, give us a little bit on on meat preparation with that. Yeah, so trichinosis it can be kind of, it can be a bad deal. Um, so so the best way to to stay clear of of trichinosis, um, you know, a lot of the the um, for those that have killed, you know, deer and elk in the past, um, a lot of your wild game cookbooks, they always suggest or, or recommend um, not overcooking your wild game. It tends to dry out um, and a little bit tougher. So, you know, more towards a, a rare, medium rare 
type of a temperature on your on your deer and elk meat is is pretty typical. Um, bears, I would suggest not going that route. Um, you get it um, cooked thoroughly, and that tends to, if there is trichinosis as an issue or concern, that tends to, um, oh, that will um, el- eliminate eliminate the trichinosis concern. So cook it thoroughly. Um, what I tend to do and what I've seen um, a lot of people do is they make a lot of sausage out of their out of their bear meat. Um, I've had really good bear meat. I've had bear meat that's not as good. Um, part of part of the, the the deal with bear meat, I think, or what I see is it's similar to mountain lion meat in the fact that you know you kind of get kind of got to get your head wrapped around you know what you're what you're eating. Um, it, it's typically a greasier type meat versus versus deer or elk, um, but it lends itself very well to um, making sausage. Um, so uh, I've had pretty good luck doing making sausage out of it. Um, and a lot of the hunters, the the local um, processing facility here in Nucla, they they um, they see a lot of the of the bear meat going to jerky or, or sorry to uh, sausage as well. Um, so it, it tends to lend itself very well to, to sausage. But on the same token, a lot of guys, you know, they like a big old a big old bear, bear steak to to chew on, and that, that's outstanding as well. But uh, we certainly want to thoroughly cook our, our bear meat, whether it's sausage or steak or burger or whatever we end up doing with it. I just did a quick Google search, and according to the New Jersey uh Game and Fish and Wildlife, or whatever their agency is called, it's 160 degrees for internal temp. And I cooked a beer can chicken last night, and that that was 165. So about probably about that same as cooking chicken in that 165 internal temperature area to to kill those little little fun things inside. <laughs> so, right, right. Uh, yeah, and and man, I have a buddy that makes some bear sausage that uh, we take kids cam- on camping trips. We uh, he makes that every time with some biscuits and gravy, and eat that in the morning. You wouldn't think you'd want to eat eating bear in the morning, but oh my gosh, I would eat that every other day. It is so so good. A lot of good bear recipes out there for that. There are, yeah, you know, and and going back to you know, okay, now I've got my bear on the ground. You know, if you've never dealt with a bear or been around a dead bear. Um, they're different than what you've dealt with, you know, deer and elk wise. Um, and I would suggest, you know, there's videos, um, online about dealing with this animal, one skinning it out, right. The, the hide, um, that's, that's the trophy part of that animal, um, the hide in the head, um, how to, how to do that, you know, and still maintain your, your trophy value of that hide. And then going into, you know, um, taking care of the meat, the quartering it, so on. It's, it's a little same idea, slightly different just because of some joints and the way that animal moves. It's going to be a little bit different. But, boy, if you've never um, never dealt with a dead bear, I would encourage, you know, getting on YouTube and, and um, doing a little research about how to go about skinning a bear and, you know, maybe quartering a bear. But um, the quartering, it's pretty similar to, to your deer and elk, a little bit different. But the, the skinning, that's... Um, that can be a little challenging if you've never, never gone down that road before. Yeah. And making sure things are nice and symmetrical. If you're, if you are taking it to a taxidermist, they'll, they'll sure cuss you out if you got knife cuts all over and you're off square and, and whatever else. So yeah, I, I did that exact thing, watched a bunch of YouTube videos and that really helped out. And then also as a, I'm a trapper. So I spent I've spent a lot of time skinning raccoons and coyotes and that really, really helps. So well, my, one of my last episodes was being a year round hunter uh, to help hone in on a lot of those skills. If, if you're trapping raccoons, uh, there's an opportunity to hone on, on another skill that helps you out later on your skinning skills. So something to keep in mind. Uh, you guys, I know deal with a load of bear issues. And when those bears, especially like you said, the bears are getting down to town, start getting involved with people's garbage cans and whatever else. And that, uh, people making mistakes or just being careless. And so I know that gets expensive and, uh, especially in the Roaring Fork Valley right around here, I, I've seen and heard about that working with CPW guys. And so with all those bear issues and, and, 
I'm assuming CPW would prefer to, to give those opportunities to hunters to be able to take what, when the, just before the season comes, what, what kind of approach should a hunter take in reaching out to a DWM in the area, biologist, uh, what's some advice to how to approach about, don't tell me exactly where to go, but, but some advice in that regional specific unit specific area. Cause I, I would assume you guys would want to help the hunter out and let the hunter be successful instead of some, uh, instead of the officers having to euthanize in, in, in the off season. Yes, definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, nailed it. Yeah, we, we, you know, all of us, um, the officers, we spend a lot of time throughout the summer dealing with um, conflict bears, and some summers are are busier than than others. And um, you know, when, when I say conflict bears, a lot of these a lot of these bears, are, you know, it's precipitated by poor choices on the you know the homeowner, the property owner, um, you know, some of the the, the the trash ordinances or lack thereof. So a lot of these, what we're calling conflicts, can be avoided in the first place by some um, just just some general bear aware knowledge. And I, I live in bear country, and what's expected out of me. So yeah, definitely um, there are conflicts, but a lot of them can be uh, mediated, you know, before they ever become an issue by just a typical bear aware. Um, and living in bear country information. And of course, and we have all that information available at our offices and we're happy to speak with, with any homeowner or, or, or municipality or along those lines about you know, how can, how can we do better as a, as a homeowner and, and try to minimize some of these, some of these conflicts that may arise. Um, you know, that being said, yeah, uh, we still deal with, with, with conflict between people and bear and um, ideally um it's never it's never a good day in the job and we end up having to put a bear down nobody nobody enjoys that it's it's part of the job um nobody enjoys it um and ideally you know we have a hunter um harvest a bear in the fall and it's a trophy to that trophy to that hunter it does the bear bear justice um versus you know us having to to relocate or, or move that bear throughout the summertime um yeah, um, the conflict, it, it's tough. And ideally hunters are, 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 they do a great job of helping with that. And a, and a, a win-win is hunters harvest bears in the winter and, and us not being forced to, to put bears down in the summertime. Yeah. And just to highlight why the bear hunt in Colorado is, is we've got a lot of color phase bears. And I've heard some things around how we, it, color phase has something to maybe do with uh, moisture levels, but you go into Canada and people hope and hope for a brown phase or a blonde phase bear, but it's almost like 50, 50 for me and what bears I see. Some are brown, some are blonde, some are black, some are, you know, that's a, it's a pretty cool opportunity. Yeah, it is. I definitely agree. Um, and yeah, you know, every, every color, color under the sun we've seen, and it's interesting, you know, the stuff that I work unit 61 and unit 70 in the Southwest part of the state. Um, I see all, all, all those bears that you mentioned, all those colors. The one that I rarely see is that just jet black, midnight black bear. I don't, I don't see very many of those. I know other parts of the state, they see a fair number of those, but you know, I just don't, I just don't see very many bears that way. I mean, the typical, the typical coloration of a bear that I see is just that dark chocolate brown, um, and then everything else as well, other than that, just that jet black. And I assume that part of it has to do with some genetics into things, and, and and then also everything that you mentioned, you know, as far as food, drought, so on and so forth. But um, yeah, it's it's interesting. We see a lot of different colored bears, which is pretty neat. And I probably should have asked this question earlier, but uh, we have some big bears too there if you're ever in the sportsman's warehouse in grand junction you can see the what is it the state record or whatever 700 pound ginormous thing that's huge uh but when we're looking at a bear track on the ground what's a good bear how do we what what are some things to look for you know what i what i like to tell um what I like to tell hunters, you know, any bear is a trophy bear. Um, it's a pretty unique type of hunt. Not very many, you know, um, 
numbers wise, not very many hunters have killed bears before. So any bear is a, is a trophy bear. Um, you know, Colorado is not like Pennsylvania or some of the Northeast states where they're year in and year out killing, you know, those seven, 800 pound bears. That's, that's pretty amazing for Colorado. Um, you know, the, the average, the average bear I see get killed is that, you know, a year and a half old bear, they got, you know, kicked loose from mom over the summer and they're going to be that 150 to 200 pound bear. When we start, um, when we start talking 200 plus pounds, 300, um, 400 pound bears, we're talking a real deal bear at that point, at least for the stuff that I work in the Southwest part of the state. Um, those are getting, you know, if you kill a 300 pound bear, that's a legitimate bear, um, for Southwest Colorado. Um, but overall 150 pounds, that's pretty, pretty typical, um, or, or the, or the most common bear, bear size that I see get killed. And it, and it does make sense, you know, being those year and a half old bears that got kicked loose from mom over the summertime, they're, they're still trying to figure life out. They're pretty active looking to set up their own little home range. Um, kind of getting roughed up by the older bears that are that already have those um, established home ranges so they're they're going to be very active and, and just more vulnerable I guess to to harvest because because they are so active but um, 150 to 200 pounds that's a, that's a, a very commonly killed killed bear that makes me feel better about my smaller bear <laughs> but <laughs> I was able to supplement that with a 350 to 400 pound bear that's the one i called in and that was something else and he was jet black so it was kind of a cool uh cool opportunity there but is a and stretched out he's six seven from and i'm six seven so he's the same arm span and length as me it's super cool to he fills a wall for sure but just one of those really really neat things and we spent uh, my dad and i spent we counted over three years, 30 solid days in the field looking for a bear. And a lot of that was learning. And then, uh, other times the day he left <laughs> right before this season, last day, Oh, dad shot a bear. Sorry. <laughs> that happened twice. But the, uh, we spent a lot of time looking and learning and, and, uh, that we ended up, like you said, the, one of those smaller bears, but it was for sure a, a trophy to he and I, and uh, I don't. I've never seen my dad really get to target panic, panicky. But uh, when we saw that bear, he was target panicky. <laughs> it was because it was so worked up the whole situation and the years that we spent trying to get him a bear. So it was a definitely a really great memory for my dad and I uh, chasing a bear. So. And I think that's a good good spot to end on. Uh, I, I just wanted to highlight bear hunting. I know Colorado is known for our over-the-counter archery and uh, rifle elk, but we don't want to discount the the bears in this state. So, uh, Tony, I want to thank you for sharing your your knowledge and expertise on this because it's a, a valuable resource out there that we should be taking care taking uh, uh, advantage of. Yeah, absolutely. I enjoyed it. And yeah, you know, to the, to your listeners, you know, um, encourage you to get a bear license and, um, questions, um, feel free to call up our office offices and they'll, um, point you in the right direction to, to different uh, officers or, you know, biologists to, to help you have a successful hunt. And that's our interview with Tony on some bear hunting. We've got a few other things that I didn't quite get covered as far as field judging bears uh, and just paying attention to some of their senses, but that's okay. And calling bears, uh, we can just do a little quick wrap up now. And if you're interested in calling bears, Wayne Carlton or Remy Warden did a podcast not too long ago about how he calls bears in, but it is one of the most exhausting things ever. He suggests being on a call for 40 to 50 minutes. Your cheeks are done for after that and electronic calls are not legal in Colorado. So blowing on a mouth call is your only shot. So if you can find a nice easy blown bear call that sounds like a fawn in distress, calf in distress, that's a good way to go. But check out Wayne Carlton's videos, his old videos. Man, that guy's funny. But there again, their their nose is king. So we can't bait 
and I realize, and that would be one way to get a bear, but that's okay. There's so many other ways with covering ground, either by glassing or covering ground on a four wheeler and a truck. There's blazes and lots of bears in Colorado. And what I've noticed with field judging bears is that if it looks like a brute and it walks all slow and, and kind of has that sort of brute like attitude, it's probably a good bear and worth taking, but make sure you're watching for, for those cubs and just pay attention to the ears. Having a small ears and good amount of space in between those ears is kind of that big thing as well as, uh, some taxidermy things. I've got a rug and I've got one just tanned hanging on the wall and they both look great. If you were thinking about it and a, a rug actually can be even more expensive than a shoulder mount. So look at shoulder mounts. If you got like an average medium sized bear, it's a great way to make a 200 pound bear look really nice. And you can have the back half just to throw over a banister or something. So don't forget about some of those cool things, the, the taxidermy, also even the bear fat. Uh, so use even some of that instead of uh, just throwing that out. There's a lot of really neat things about bears. So get a bear tag. They're uh, pretty cheap for residents and even cheaper for youth. So it'd be a cool thing. Go sit in a water hole, put some cameras on a water hole, and maybe you got one coming in there regularly. So that'd be pretty neat if you harvested a bear. So it was pretty cool when I got my first one. Love to share that memory with with uh, uh, others. So go get a bear and, and share that out. But again, thank you for listening and appreciate your feedback and questions. We'll talk to you another day. Right outside of this one church town, there's a gold dirt road to a whole lot of nothing. Got a deed to the land, but it ain't my ground. This is God.